Hey, babe. What's up? I just found something I truly love. What's that? This Mad Viking beard shampoo. It is so refreshing. It, Coconut lime. It sounds delicious. <laughs> I've been putting my beard in my mouth more lately. I've noticed. That's disgusting. Why is that disgusting? Because you're putting all of this great product from Mad Viking beard and you're putting the beard in your mouth. <laughs> But it's all natural. It's not going to hurt me. That's the beauty of Mad Viking. That's fair. And I know back when I was doing cosmetology and barbering, a lot of people would complain about the feeling that some shampoos and soaps would give their facial hair for the men, obviously. I mean, maybe the women do, but I never had that experience. Anyways, I have noticed with your beard, I'm not feeling so much residue or any at all. This Mad Viking beard shampoo is amazing i am a big time fan of the dragon's head scent it does smell amazing well if you want some people out there listening madvikingbeard.com welcome to the horde and beard on Welcome back to another episode of Spouse Holes. I want to thank all of our listeners before anything uh, for sticking with us, for coming back and listening to our episodes. I know last week we didn't have an episode for Mother's Day, but we are back this week and we are excited for this new topic. Yeah, it was kind of weird not doing an episode, to be honest. We've gotten really into a good groove. It really was weird. But um, how was your week? It was pretty cool. <laughs> it was pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Speechless. Yeah, can't even can't complain. That's for sure. No, we can't. It was our firstborn, Zaley's. It was her birthday, so she had a lot of fun with everybody who came out and celebrated her. Can you believe we have a two-year-old? It's crazy. It feels like yesterday we just had her, but yeah, and it was a good little party, and it was fun. You I smoked really a lot, it. right? Oh man, I smoked so much meat. And we didn't even have that much left over, which was crazy because normally we do have a lot of leftovers, but. It was pretty much gone. I mean, I will post on Facebook how much, I'm sorry, Facebook and Instagram, how much there was actually me that was smoked because you posted it. And yeah, we'll have to post it. And the majority of it was gone. Yeah, there was over 40 pounds of meat that I smoked. And I think we might have had six pounds left at the end of the day. Yeah, it was crazy. It was good though. Really fun. So how's your dieting coming along? So in our previous podcast, I did mention at the beginning, I was trying the keto diet with you and it just wasn't sticking with me. I wanted something that was a long-term thing because I don't want to just do like the diet fads for me. I can't, I can't stick with them. And I'm very heavy in carbs. Like growing up being Peruvian, carbs is just in every dish. So I knew realistically taking carbs out of my diet wasn't going to be something that I was going to be able to do. So I did go and research and found this diet and um, this program that pretty much you can have carbs and you can have, they just have to be good carbs and just healthier things. And you have to just pretty much check what you're eating and making sure you're not going over your calories, which makes sense. I think it's just common sense not to overeat. So, but it's been good. I feel like I've actually worked out and feel stronger and eating cleaner and I have the carbs that I can still enjoy. So you're definitely looking good. I know I'm getting all tied up again because I'm the last pregnancies, like, you know, last three years I've been pregnant and I feel like I lost so much muscle, but how is your diet going? It's coming along pretty good. I've, I got sick and it was like a two week sickness. And when I'm sick, I'm just a big baby. And sometimes (laughs) my, uh, strength to resist temptation of food is really bad when I'm sick. Right. But you also don't feel good enough to eat like a lot of food, but I definitely had non-keto foods while I was sick. And so, man, now I'm trying to, you know, get back into that deep ketosis. And one thing that I found, and it has been a lifesaver, is a new drink. What's the drink called? It's from Koyos Beverage Company. And you can find them at GNC, but they're these drinks that, I mean, they already have your MCT oil in them, which if you're a listener of this podcast, I've stressed it a million times. MCT oil is keto's best friend. Right. But on top of that, it also has lion's mane mushroom, BCAAs, and other vitamins. All those things like the lion's mane mushroom really helps with like your brain and helping you stay focused. I've been able to focus at work a lot better. I think that's a lot of people's worry is being on the keto is not being able to concentrate. But I think that for a lot of people, they actually are able to concentrate even more. 
Well, in this bev- these drinks, they also have caffeine in them, but it's from green tea extract. So it's not the jittery kind of caffeine high. It's just like a nice alert. But then they also, because of the BCAAs and electrolytes, you stay hydrated. And so, I mean, they're keto friendly. They don't taste bad. Like most keto drinks or diet drinks, you just have that fake taste to them but these ones actually taste really good yeah i did taste one of your drinks and it actually was a drink that i'm like okay if i was on keto i think this would help me stay on keto yeah they have like apricot vanilla and blood orange i really like the apricot vanilla but yeah i really i really do suggest our listeners go out to the gnc and give them a shot if you're looking for a good keto beverage or just a good beverage that'll help you focus and stay hydrated yeah and we all have about 32 days left and then we're going to be posting some pictures on our website. We are also updating our website. I know we've had some people ask about um, the links to our stories for our holes and our plugs of the week. So on our website, um, we're actually working on getting those holes and plugs. So you can actually go in, look at the episode name and click into it, find the pl- hugs, <laughs> holes and plugs. And then you can actually read the article on there. So yeah, well, It'll get up there. We're working on it. <laughs> yeah, it's under construction right now. How about some holes, baby doll? All right, should I go first or should you go first? I kind of like mine this week. You mind if I start us up? All right, go for it. Okay, so mine has to do with a little bit of what we've been dealing with lately. Here in Utah, we got two good days of weather. And luckily, it was on a weekend a couple weeks ago. But ever since those two good days of weather, we've been rained on out here. Oh, yeah. You get all the seasons in one day in Utah. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. (laughs) So there's this video going out there right now of a big time rainstorm going on. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of your eye or the corner of the clip of the video, you see this lady running through the rain. And at first, it doesn't look too weird. But then as you look at what you're watching... This mother is using her child as an umbrella. Oh, as my she's... God. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? What? Like, she has a kid up, like, over her head? How old is this kid? How uh, old does he look? Four, maybe? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it kind of does. That's crazy. You shouldn't. Oh, my God. The kid's small enough that she's able to hold her over the head. I can't even. And run through the parking lot. (laughs) That is horrible. Yeah, she's a hole. What the heck? That poor child. Was was he facing up or was he facing down? I think it was a little girl. Oh, was she facing up? I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. I think facing down. So at least it's going on the back. (laughs) That's terrible. I could never do that to my child. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I saw it and instantly I'm like, well, there's my hole. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a really good one. I don't know if I can top that. We'll see what you got. I can try. (laughs) Okay. So mine happened in Florida. This guy named Kyle Jones, his girlfriend was asleep and he woke her up by slapping her in the face with a cheeseburger and then proceeded to pull her hair and kick her down the stairs. So he's my hole. (laughs) She woke up and obviously, you know, she called the cops. They came out and um, he was denying the, the physical part, but she clearly had cheeseburger particles all over her face and hair and so her story kind of was more true than his that's funny i think it would be kind of funny to wake you up by throwing fruit in your face you know what i have thought about throwing you know how a lot of people do like the cheese um thing that we did with zaley once a cheese challenge that you throw the cheese at someone's face i have thought about doing that while you were sleeping and just seeing what your reaction is i'd say thank you for the cheese (laughs) just wake up and eat it I'll find you a keto-friendly cheese. Most cheese is (laughs) keto-friendly. All right, so we get into our topic. You know, this week's topic, it's a little bit of a difficult one for us, but we finally have all of our answers as of now. And I think we keep going back and saying, this is about Erica, our second born, and she's deaf. And so I think a lot of episodes, we kind of touch a little bit because it's kind of hard not to. And we keep saying, okay, we'll, no, we'll do one episode like just on her. 
and we didn't want to until we had all of the answers just because we we ourselves had a lot of answers so we'll kind of go through our journey with that and kind of where we're at with it and our conclusions and uh, you know if there's any parents out there who are going through something similar or something that's so new to them or random you know you're not alone we'd love to hear your stories and you know give you guys shout outs and be supportive for you guys so you ready to get into this it's kind of a weird topic for us but you ready i'm ready all right do you want to start or do you want me to start i can start us off all right, because go for it. i actually got to see her first you did and so when she's when you delivered her which was by far has to be top five deliveries of all time it was a fast delivery you pushed like one and a quarter times. <laughs> yeah i think it's funny because um when we were in the hospital to get induced i felt like everything wasn't was kind of going wrong like um apparently i had this bacteria or something that i was supposed to get antibiotics for but nobody told us so i was actually when i walked in i was already dilated to about a four or five and so they were worried that they weren't going to get enough of the antibiotic for Erica, which they didn't because she was an hour early before all of that or whatever. Um, but yeah, as soon as we got in and I was dilated, I, I went quick. And I remember feeling like my ass cheeks were going to rip apart. Like they felt like my muscles were just, it was just going to like going to rip. Like they just felt weird. And I was like, mom, my leg is cramping so bad that my muscles are breaking and she's like, no, I think you're going to give birth. Like, you need, we need to get the doctor in here. And so we got the doctor in. No, we got the nurse in. And she was like, oh, the head's already out. And so she ran and got the doctor. And he came out. He's like, yeah, you just need to, like, push once. And I pushed. And he's like, give me a little bit more. And so I finished pushing. And she was out. And I, the emotion that you get for having, like, once you have the baby, you know, obviously you're already kind of have a bunch of emotions. It's just crazy, but everything just happened so fast and everyone's everywhere and taking the baby in different places. But you were the one that was able to actually see her because I feel like she was pretty much covered for the most part when they were cleaning her off on my chest. But she did start crying and a nurse put, you know, their finger in her mouth to kind of calm her and she was calm. And then we tried putting her on me to feed and she wouldn't feed. And I remember like thinking Zaley wasn't like this like Zaley took it pretty quick like Erica's latching and she's she wants to but she's not and the nurse is like sometimes they just don't they just don't do that it takes them a little bit of time and so we left and we went up to the um to the room that you stay at and they took Erica to the nursery with you and you followed with them well even before then though I when she came out and I got the first look at her I saw that her ear looked a little funny yeah, Erica, she has her ears are a little bit smaller and they're a little bit lower on her head. They're almost elvish. They look like little elf ears. They're so adorable. <laughs> but yeah, they do look a little different. We don't like to post pictures of our kids on our face or on Instagram and stuff, but maybe we can get an ear picture. Yeah. That we could post for this episode specifically. Yeah, well, yeah, and her hearing aids. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, so yeah, you did notice her ears. And I got just that gut feeling that she was going to have some hearing problems. I didn't think like full-blown deaf or whatever, but I was like, that worries me. Yeah, and I feel like at the same time also like when I, I was able to actually hold her and see her, I also did notice them because my family has very like distinct ears. I feel like all the kids have the, the ears that, that, you know, it's just a strong genetic trait. And so I was like, her ears don't look like your family's ears. But yeah, it was kind of like a little red flag. Um, and I don't remember, I think we posted this on one of our other podcast episodes. But once she was in my stomach, I remember one day I was showering and I looked down and I just felt like I couldn't talk to her. Like I just felt, I didn't, I never felt like this with Zaylee, but with Erica when she was in my stomach, I felt like when I would talk to her, I would just get really emotional and just want to cry. And I had no idea why. And, I and see, I just thought it was normal for you because I felt like you always want to cry when you're pregnant. <laughs> well, that's true too. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we were at, so we were up in the room. Eric leaves with the nurse and with Erica to the nursery to go get her shots and everything. And she starts crying again. And the nurse, you know, to calm her, puts her thumb in her mouth, a gloved thumb in her mouth. Right. <laughs> and, you know, calms her down and everything and 
still the nurse didn't notice anything or say anything. And so then they're getting ready to give her the little vitamin shot that they give them when they're first born. And so sure enough, she puts the needle in the Erica's arm and she throws her head back and just starts wailing, crying, like hardcore crying. And I get a clean shot of the roof of her mouth and, or should I say lack of a roof of her mouth. And so I'm all like, uh, is that right? Pointing at her, the roof of her mouth. And the nurse looks in and she goes, no, it's not. She's got a cleft palate. And I'm like, well, maybe I should get paid a little bit more because I'm the one (laughs) finding all these problems. It was like the third nurse who had had a finger in her mouth. Right. That's just weird to me. Yeah. And I remember you coming in with Erica and the nurse and you know, you're like the whole family is there cause they all are excited to see the baby and they're all in the room. And I remember you having the nurse tell everyone to just step out. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, my heart just dropped into my stomach. Like I just felt like, why is she telling everyone to leave? Like what's wrong with my baby? And she came in, she was real, really nice. And she told me she has a cleft palate and she tried to explain it to me. And the only thing in my head, I'm trying not to get emotional. The only thing that kept going on in my head was what did I do wrong? Like I, (laughs) sorry. I'm like, I did everything I could for the pregnancy to go right. And that was one thing that kind of really bothered me was everyone would ask all the doctors. and, And I know this is part of their thing, but they would always ask, did something go wrong during the pregnancy? Did you, do something during the pregnancy that made something go wrong. And so the nurse kept telling me, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. But then when people would come in and ask me that, I just felt like this is my fault. Like you guys in a way are saying that this is my fault by asking me, what did I do wrong in my pregnancy? And so for me, it was really hard when I found out about the cleft palate because I'm like, my body is what failed her to develop her right. So I had a hard time with it. I don't know what went on in your head when you heard it. Well, the cleft palate for me was has never and still isn't a real issue because, I mean, by the time she's two years old, it'll be like it never happened. Yeah. And I kind of knew that. Like, as soon as they said cleft palate, I hopped on my phone, did a bunch of Googling, and that part of it has never been an issue for me. It's just more of an annoyance than anything because she wasn't able to latch. You weren't able to boob feed. And <laughs> that's so weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that was one of the hardest parts for me too was the breastfeeding because I felt like that was one of the things I was way excited for to do because of the bonding and I wasn't able to do it and so that was rough for me and I think that stress of not being able to and now knowing that she can't latch because she doesn't have the roof of her mouth was making it harder for my milk to come in and so that was stressing me out even more and we had to have the option of formula or breast milk from somebody else obviously they do all the testing on the breast milk before to make sure that there's nothing harmful for the baby but it's somebody else's breast milk and so for me it was just really really rough I think as a woman you just have all these expectations and when it doesn't happen it just crushes you emotionally and mentally and I don't think a lot of people would understand I think it's harder for men to understand the woman's side but I think it's also hard for other women who haven't experienced it Um, I think it's hard for them to kind of understand because it's like well it's not that big of a deal but for you it's like you're just so emotionally invested into doing this that it's like no don't say that to me because you don't get it so that's kind of the hard part is you know hearing doctors or nurses and it's like no it's not that big of a deal but it's like okay I'm already have all these emotions going on. Like my chemicals are all out of whack. I just had a baby and I've had these expectations. I've had these hopes, these dreams, and you're pretty much telling me that they don't exist anymore. And you're telling me that I just need to get over it. So that was kind of hard. Um, so then we found out about the club palette. Um, kind of found out our options, found out that right. it's perfectly operable. They'll just yeah. put in eventually a bone graft that'll be a permanent solution that'll grow with her and yeah so the first year within usually it's about nine months ish um they hers goes from the front from right behind your gums to all the way to the back of the throat i know there's different severities of people some people actually have the lip too erica didn't get the lip she just got the mouth and that's why they said in the ultrasound they couldn't see it because it's inside Um, but hers goes from the back of her gum up top to the back of her mouth it's just one big hole and so for the at nine months 
they'll go in and the soft palette, which is the part in the back, they'll close that out and then they'll put like a retainer, a plastic part up front for the hard palette. Once she becomes of age around two years old-ish, they'll remove the plastic, they'll go in, surgically remove the plastic and then put in the bone graft, which we did find out that it's not one of her bones. Luckily, it's an artificial thing that they have now, like science has come a long way. And they'll put that up there, and then that will grow with her. So hopefully she won't need any more surgeries. You know, if there is maintenance or anything that he needs to clean up, the surgeon needs to clean up. But besides that, it shouldn't be anything. should all be very minor and just right. maintenance more than anything. Right. So after we found out about that, because of the cleft palate, it's crazy because I never even thought about this, but because of the cleft palate, um, she can't pop her ears like everybody else can. So we did go to Seattle with the girls, and the flight there was fine. Girls did amazing. They did awesome. But the flight back, and we're assuming because of the altitude change, was just hell. And because she can't pop her ears, the fluid just sits there. And it's obviously painful. So she can't pop her ears. They have to put tubes into her ears to pop the ears. Or for her to pop her ears normal. Um. So that was a little bit hard. We did know that. So when they were doing the first test, because you do your hearing test when the baby's born, they let us know she's going to fail it. There's a high chance she'll fail it because she can't pop her ears. And the fluid makes it so the sound waves can't go in and get the sound back, yada, yada. Um, She did have jaundice, (laughs) too. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, that's not a big deal. A lot of babies have jaundice when they're first born. But Erica... Her number was a little high. It went down because she was under the lights for 24 hours. Something like that. Um, the doctor said that it went down enough that she felt comfortable for Erica to go home, but she needed to get a second test done. So then we go back, get the test done a few days later, and her number skyrocketed. And it was 24 point something. And at 25, it's the jaundice actually starts seeping into the brain. So she was right at the edge. So the, our doctor actually called us. It was on the weekend. It was on Friday. And she said, you need to get into the hospital immediately because it's really high and you're going to have more complications. So we rushed into the hospital and we were admitted for the weekend. And that was a scary experience because... The only real thing I have to say about weekend stays and overnight stays or anything like that at a hospital if you get a doctor in your room at 2 33 o'clock in the morning and they suggest some crazy out of this world surgery that you're going to need look them in the eye and say am i going to die in the next three hours if i don't do this and if they say no say i'm going to wait for the real doctor to get here <laughs> oh my gosh so we get into the hospital and you know, we have a couple of doctors kind of going over everything, telling us that they're going to check the numbers, put her under the lights and everything. Okay, so we put her under. Mind you, I just gave birth not even a week ago, and we're already back in the hospital, putting her under lights, getting her IV'd up, getting fluid in her, all this stuff. And so I'm exhausted. And, Eric, you know, we have our other daughter, and she's one at this time, and you know, Eric's like, just go home, get some rest, and, you know, take Zaley. And so we end up going home. Eric stays with Erica. And she's having well, – her numbers weren't actually coming down fast enough at first. And so they were actually telling us that there could be something in her blood that's rejecting um, and making the jaundice skyrocket. And so they're telling us about all these other blood stuff and all this other – it was just crazy – so we go home, or Eric, or Zaley and I go home, and Eric stays with Erica. And at night, I guess it malfunctions, the lights malfunction or something. Well, no, it was the uh, thing that measured her temperature that was connected to the lights. It was basically telling them that she was being cooked and that the temperature was skyrocketing. So they were afraid of a fever because the light shouldn't be causing a fever, but it was actually the bed was malfunctioning. But the doctor comes in and basically says, you know, she has a fever. It's going really high, really fast. And the only thing we can do to save her is basically to drill into her brain to release the pressure. I guess something the fever was causing. And then also we're going to have to do a big IV flush through her veins 
And one other thing, I don't even remember. It was so frustrating. But I haven't slept. I wasn't going to sleep. So I was just standing at her bed holding her hand while she was under these lights because her head was so tiny and stuff that the little eye cover kept falling off of her face and these intense lights kept flashing in her eyes. So I was trying to stay close enough to her that I could keep the thing where it needed to be. And so I haven't slept in at least 24 hours at this point. And this doctor comes in and says he's going to have to drill into my baby's brain. And I'm just freaking out. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I got to call my wife, get her down here, make sure she's okay with it, thinking all my options. And luckily, there was one sane person there. And the nurse came in and just said, let's switch out the tables just to be safe. Well, she did take, they did take a bunch of blood from her. Oh, yeah. Despite the, the fact blood. that they were already taking a bunch of blood from her feet, like every hour they were coming in or something. And, poking her to get more blood out of her and yeah so this nurse said let's switch the tables out and they switched the tables out and within 20 minutes everything was fine and you know looking back and saying this story a year almost a year later she's nine months old now I'm like well man maybe we could have sued or something (laughs) but I've never been that kind of a person but at the same time it was just it's just terrifying you just had this baby and you haven't really slept you haven't really rested because I think we came home and it was like one day and then the next day we were back in the hospital. Like we didn't have a break. Right, it was long enough for us both to shower and have a meal. Yeah. And then we're, I was back in and the hospital. And we were back. Yeah. And then, you know, again, they did another hearing test. She failed it. And it was a more intense hearing test the second time. Yeah, where it would go past if there was water in behind her eardrum. Right. So they actually um, hook up these little monitors on her face and on her the back of her ears. I guess it's just technically a modified EKG machine. I think so. Probably. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, so they hook it up and they it just sends waves to the bones to see if there's anything that comes back. And she failed it. The you know, the person who's doing the test lets me know that she failed and so I'm like, wait, let me get my husband because it was just me and her because I was trying to get her to sleep because they need the baby sleeping. And, you know, you come in and we're talking about it. And she's like, well, as of right now, all the results show that she's profoundly deaf. And we're like, what? Like, at first, I think it was kind of like a shock. Like, we, the first test she failed. And then we were like, maybe she's, she might be a little bit deaf. But when she told us profoundly deaf, I think she was trying to, I think she saw your face because I saw your face and you like went pale. And you almost look like you were going to vomit. I remember looking at you like, he doesn't look good. Uh, typically with me, it's not vomit. It's usually I'm about to shit my pants. I guess and, that's true. <laughs> and that's kind of how I felt. Like, my stomach dropped. And it was like the fear that I had when I first saw her was now coming to light. Because right when I saw her, I just knew something was wrong with her ears. Right. But I kind of looked past it because... I've only had her for a week and I've been in the hospital for five of those days. And so now this doctor is telling me she is deaf and I'm like, well, hell she's got the cleft palate. Now you're telling me she's deaf. I've been in the hospital for three days because she's been jaundiced and almost sleeping into her brain. Some stupid nighttime wannabe doctor told me that we're gonna have to drill into her brain and just a lot. Piling so up. <laughs> all of it together. So my stomach just dropped and I just shut down. I was like, I'm just pretending like I'm deaf and I'm just not hearing this right now. And it took me a good 40 hours, I think I would say, almost two days before it really sunk in. And then I was like, well, what can we do? What's our next step? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I was a little bit opposite on it. I felt like as soon as she told me that she was deaf, I'm like, well, there's not much that I can do like the, it, it is what it is at this point like I can't I feel like I'm the type of person who just is like okay that's life I got to keep moving forward like I can't do anything about it I'm not going to just sit here and so immediately after I'm like well what are our options like give me the information and I think that's why she was kind of like I think she felt like I was trying to rush things and when she saw you I think she was trying to like slow everything down I think she was like you're rushing it and he's not catching up like let him catch up because I was like okay let's just keep moving and I think she realized like you were a little bit more taken back like oh my gosh you know and I think it was kind of rough for us like as far as 
communication with it because I feel like you shut down and I'm like, well, I just got to keep moving. Like I can't, like you're not going to open up to me and I can't force you to open up and I'm just going to keep pushing because I feel like I try and it's hard for you to open up, which is understandable. And so it's oh, like, I just don't like that's Right. And so it's like for I me, am. I just know that I can't, I can't force it on you. And so I'm just going to keep moving on. And I think a lot of people see that as like, wow, she's kind of a bitch. Like let him catch up. Like let his emotions get, but, but I'm like, he's not going to open up to me. Like I, I know he's not going to like, not because you don't want to, it's just your personality. But she took two more tests after that. And I think that's the part that was frustrating you. It was like, we knew she was deaf. Like we've come to terms with it. We know she's deaf, but they just wanted to double check and triple check and quadruple check. <laughs> and so they did four tests in total and all of them came back that she was profoundly deaf. So, you know, I talked to her. I'm like, what are our next steps? She's like, well, next would be hearing aids. Your end goal is cochlear implants. Yes, that's what we want, cochlear implants. Okay, so then your next step would be hearing aids. So for one hearing aid, it's about $2,000. Two to four. Two to four, depending on how nice of a brand you want to go. Usually the cheaper end would be about two grand for one ear. So I'm like, we're not like, she's profoundly deaf. You're telling me that there is a chance uh, that she doesn't have the nerves. So when we were talking about this, we knew that there's a very small, very slim chance that she doesn't have a nerve. Everyone kept telling us there's, it's almost never happens. Like typically there's nerves, typically the cochlear implants, what helps them, it works, blah, blah, blah. Today's science basically dictates that if you're born deaf, the odds of you hearing are higher than you not hearing. And that's how they outlined it to us is they right. said that, hey, she's deaf right now, but you know, science is amazing and we have these things called the cochlear implant. It's a small implant that goes embedded behind the ear. You can't really notice it. You do notice the exterior unit, but once your hair grows out with girls, especially, you can't even tell they're wearing them. Yeah. And you can hear. And you like, we've met kids now that have them and they'll speak to you just as good as any other kid. And it's amazing how science has come the generation before where they were born deaf and the science came out and they were like in their twenties, it was seen as something to frown upon and you know, like this is who I am. Why should I change? But now they're even coming around slowly and kids that are born now more than likely they're going to hear. Yeah. But you have that slim chance. There's always that little slim chance. And that's what they always have to tell you, you know, like, There's that slim chance, but everyone kept emphasizing it's a very tiny chance. Like a lot of people like we haven't like I've seen it maybe once in my whole career and I've been doing this for 20 years. And so I remember after a while when people kept telling us that we were talking, we're like, that's going to be us. We're going to be that like little percentage. And so we kept like, you know, if that's what it is, that's what it is. And I think that's a way for us to kind of just cope with it, like brace ourselves for the worst hope for the best type thing yeah and i think i overbraced a little bit i guess we're just gonna straight out come out and say it at this point we were that small chance yeah we were that small chance and to find this out we did a first series of an mri test well we did do hearing aids first we did do the hearing aids and we went through the school we didn't actually pay the two grand per year for the hearing aids um, we did find out that the deaf school actually does rent them out to families. And we didn't want to risk that chance of buying it and not having a reaction. They did tell us it could be because of the fluid also built up that she wasn't getting a reaction from the hearing aids. But we're like, well, she's not she's not hearing. And so then we fought for an MRI. It was a battle for me to get this MRI. Yeah, you were thinking she was trying to fight for a title belt. I, I mean, I should have got a belt after everything I went through. She went through the rounds. I really did. I mean, I contacted everybody and their dog. Like, I literally contacted as many people as I could. I'm like, I don't care who puts the order in. Just get my daughter in for a freaking MRI because I need to know if she even has a nerve. So the MRI is to determine if they have the nerve, if they're clo- the cochlea, which is what helps you hear. It looks like a little shell. Um, if that's formed and cause they did tell us there's a chance that if that's not formed or not formed enough that the cochlear, the cochlear implant won't work. So the MRI is 
the, your next step after you're hearing aids, usually they get about six months um, to see if they're a candidate for the hearing aids. For the cochlear. Sorry, for the cochlear. Cochlear implant. Um, so we did go and we did our first MRI. And the first MRI, <laughs> people that have kids, imagine you wake up your baby at 7 a.m. You can't feed her after 7 a.m. <laughs> then you're going to go to a hospital where you can't feed your baby and she's awake. And they tell you at noon, they'll be able to get her in, put her to sleep and do all this MRI. Doesn't sound too bad. Well, noon rolls around. The machine's busy, but they say, let's get the IV going now. And then it'll be smoother and faster. So now they just poked our daughter who's been She's hungry. Since seven, hasn't eaten. She's trying to eat the IV and pulling pull the IV out of her arm. So that happened at noon. Now it's three o'clock. We've had a baby that's been poked with an IV and awake since seven with no food. And it's 3 p.m. They finally get her in. They finally put her to sleep and do the test. Well, it was rough seeing her go under. It was our oh. first time putting a baby under, you know, and... She's, you know, since three o'clock, she's been, she's been freaking out. She's crying. And I remember looking out and seeing all the nurses kind of goofing around. And I'm sorry, but if you are a nurse and you hear a baby crying, like have more respect. Like don't be goofing around. Don't be laughing. Don't be like playing around. Cause they were like dancing or doing something. Like I understand you want to have a good time, but for me, it was just so frustrating. And then she would start screaming. Erica would start screaming and they would look over at me like, Really? Like, they would be like, why are you not, like, calming your baby? But it's like, I'm holding her. I'm doing everything I can to comfort her. She's over it. You guys are frustrating me. Like, you don't look professional right now. And so I was just getting really irritated. Well, and they kept using this language when they were talking about the MRI, where they were doing, they were just kept calling it a head MRI, which, sure, your ears are part of your head. But I just wanted to clearly state this is to see if she'll be a candidate for a cochlear implant. Focus on the ears. Right. And they kept telling me that's not what's on the paper. We're doing an MRI of the just the head. Yeah. And So then we go in to put her under. And I'm holding her. And he's like, hey, we're counting down. And he starts counting down. And my heart each second just starts to drop. And she's out cold. And I'm trying to not lose my crap. Like, I'm just trying to keep it together. And they're like, hey, give her a kiss and you got to go. And so I just laid her down and I give her a kiss and I'm like, I got to leave because if not, I'm just going to lose it right here. And we walked out and the nurse was really nice and she was trying to keep us distracted while we were walking out. And she was talking to us and explaining what was going to go on. And I feel like that was the longest 45 minutes of my life. It Length isn't even the term. Like 45 minutes can go in a blink of an eye or it can last days and it was one of those times where it lasted days and there's no coffee there's no sugary beverages there's no they only have diet drinks and yeah so we're waiting there and there's no food or drinks in the lounge there's like a million signs i went out and found something to eat but it's understandable it's understandable yes because there's kids there who are who haven't eaten all day and they're old enough to understand they're hungry and they're seeing somebody else eat and drink and it makes it hard for the parent to be like no you can't eat right now even though they're watching somebody else eat and they're hungry and they're thirsty because after a certain time you can't eat or drink and there are kids there who are eight years old who are going in for, you know, MRI, CT. So I get that. I understand that. My problem was when I saw somebody running down with the machines because they were calling some code and the guy's running down and I'm like, oh my gosh, my daughter's back there. And I like, I hope that my daughter's fine. And that was a hard part for me. But um, anyway, so we got our results, the first MRI results. And we were going in thinking, okay, Yes or no, we're going to leave here. We're going to know yes or no. Like, this is going to be great. Walk in, you know, the surgeon, very nice guy, shows us the MRI. And he says, so on, I think it was the it was, the left ear. The there's... left ear. He's like, well, it's malformed. The cochlea itself is malformed. Um, and there was two, two nerves. nerves. 
And he said the right, no, there was, yeah, two nerves. No, the left side wasn't malformed then because that, he. It was malformed too. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Because the one side, don't roll your eyes at me. Because the one side, um, he wanted to check because there was two nerves on the other side. And he wanted to check if that one was the hearing nerve. Because the other side, it would have been there would have been no point of doing another MRI. And the left side, which had no, a malformed cochlea and two nerves, but because the cochlea was so malformed, he knew it wouldn't be an option on the left side. But the right side, he, oh, he couldn't get good image on the right side. Okay. So I was right. You okay. On, anyways, on okay, you were almost right. I was right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so the left side it was malformed, two nerves. The right side, he didn't. They didn't get a very good image, which frustrated was frustrating because we were like the whole reason why we, we put her under was to get a good image, and Eric emphasized so much, focus on the ears. So then he tells us, unfortunately, we have to put her under again and do this whole process again, and we're gonna also add a CT, an ABR, which is a test with the wavelengths to make sure that they hit the bones or whatever to see if they get reaction and to put tubes into her ears to help drain. So we went in, did the whole process again and this time it went actually smoother. We actually went really early in the morning. We were the first people there. We were and it was so smooth and we're like from now on if we have to do anything else in the morning (laughs) and um, we got results back for that. And it revealed that there was only one nerve on the right side, and it was a facial nerve. Yep. So she is not a candidate for a clear implant. (laughs) Yeah. So around that area, you have roughly like three or four nerves around that area. For some reason, I remember them saying four, but when me and you try to name the four, we can only come up with three. So I don't know if it's like (laughs) one of them is like split into two or something, but... Um, you have your face nerve, which her face isn't ever droopy, and that's why they yeah, know it's so a face like nerve. So, like when you have a stroke and half your uh, face starts to droop, it's because one of those nerves is misfired and it's no longer functioning. So that's why your muscles just start to droop. And so, because her face looks how it's supposed to look, <laughs> yeah, she has those nerves on both sides. And so that eliminated the fact that it's not. The other one is in a hearing nerve. Well, on the right side, she doesn't have any more. That was just the one. Right. And that's the the only side that he had hope to do an implant. Um, And then she has one balanced nerve on the left side, which was the second nerve that he saw on the left side. And the right side, like we said, only has the one. So she doesn't have a balance on that side. Um, She will be able to balance out on her own. We Talking to other families... They did say that their child will just be walking and out of nowhere will just fall over randomly. And they compensate for not having the nerve by using their sight, which means their uh, sight's probably going to be better. But the moment it's dark or, you know, dark outside or whatever, or black in her room at night, she's basically can't, won't be able to balance at all. Right. So some nightlights will definitely be needed. Yeah. Yeah, her depth perception will be off. She is taking a little bit longer to sit up because of the balancing. She rolls and is crawling now like a champ. It scoots, I guess she army crawls. Uh, but it's because it's down low on the ground. And so she doesn't need to balance. She doesn't need to worry about all that stuff. He did tell us that there are actually people out there who don't have any balance nerves. And they're actually able to ride bikes normally. So... Human body is an amazing thing. Yeah. So, you you know, your body does compensate for um, for whatever you're missing. So, yeah. So, we found out that they do also have options for like brainstem stuff. Yeah, there's something very... Uh, it's new. Still in testing, yeah. if you will. <laughs> and the doctor kind of looked over at... Or was on the phone. It was on the phone, yeah. And he goes, there's some... Kind of experimental stuff in there. Well, they'll. I think he was hesitant to even say it too. I think yeah. he felt weird. And the moment he said that they'll drill into the brainstem, we're just like, you can stop right there. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to go that route. So we just figured ASL is going to be our main language for her and just heavily used. And we're just going to have to dive into the deaf community, which so far it's 
actually not been bad. Um, it is kind of awkward still because we're in the beginning we're learning. Well, it's like getting dropped in Asia and then there's no English, there's no Spanish and everyone's looking like they know what's going on and you're walking around with a booger in your nose or something. <laughs> this is exactly what it feels like. <laughs> but no, the community is very welcoming. We've gone to a few things now. We went to an Easter activity. We went to an ice cream activity. We did Christmas and we have people come into the house all the time. It's actually really welcoming and really fun and nice. And I'm looking forward to diving in a little deeper. I will be honest and say that I think I was leaning a little bit towards the cochlear being an option towards the end. And I've been half-assing the ASL, to be honest. But now that it's no longer an option, I feel rejuvenated and I feel ready to learn ASL to the best of my ability. And I look forward to communicating with my hands. Yeah, it's it's definitely a new experience. So we're excited for that. So just kind of want to give you guys an update on that. Um, and now when we reference Erica and her being deaf, we will say, and there's a podcast out there called Erica. Look for it if you don't know <laughs> what we're talking about because we won't be talking about it anymore. Yeah. And well, I mean, if she comes up randomly, but they did get sign names. Um, just a cool fast fact. A deaf person is the only person that can actually give you, like a hearing person can give you your deaf name. So kind of like a white person can't say the N word. Um, no, that's completely different. We're okay. not even going to touch base on that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of like one of their like, like almost laws, like one of their hard rules is a deaf person is one who gives you your deaf name. Sign, so, sign name. Sorry, their sign name. <laughs> um, so for me, it was actually a really emotional experience. I think for you, it was just a cool experience. I don't know. No, I thought that one, she... Our, we have an ASL teacher that comes to our house every Wednesday, and she really took her time to get to know our girls. She hasn't given you a name yet. Um, there's another soft rule that says if your name is four letters or less, you don't get a sign name. You just sign the letters of your name, and that's your sign name. And so my name's Eric, E-R-I-C, four letters. I don't get a sign name. Um, Kiara is still waiting for her sign name, and our sign teacher that comes out every Wednesday, uh, she really took her time, put some thought and some effort into each of our girls' name, and they turned out really beautiful and really, really cool. Yeah, I think I had a hard time with uh, the fact that I was reading, because you, know, you have your apps with child development or whatever, and I was reading one that came up and it popped up on one of my notifications, and it was like roughly about this time frame, I think it was like six or seven months, um, the child will now understand their name when you're s talking to them. Hearing child will be able to recognize that you're talking to them when you use their name. And for me, that hit hard. Like, I'm like, my kid can't hear. My kid doesn't, like, does she even know her name? Like, she doesn't know her name. She doesn't know that I'm calling her. She doesn't know what her name is that we picked for her. So for me, it was way hard reading that update and then when I got the sign name, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is her name. Like, this is awesome. Like, she knows that we're talking to her. She knows that this is her name. Like, we're going to work with her. So she knows it's her name. It was just such an awesome experience. And for us to have also Zaylee's sign name, so she knew that we were talking to her sister because we were just calling her sister um, in sign language. We were just signing sister. But getting the names, it's like she now knows, like, these are individual people with their actual names, not just, like, a group, you know. So it was kind of cool seeing the sign names so it's been a good experience um i'm sure we'll have little updates here and there about it because oh, it's sure. a huge new life a huge new culture everything's just gonna be new so we're excited um but going on that high happy note do you want to get into some plugs let's plug up this world all right did you want to go first or do you want me to go first you know i went first on the holes why don't you go first on the plugs okay so talking about support systems <laughs> i don't know if uh, you guys out there have seen this but there's a little video going out of this little boy who is doing karate and he has to kick the board when you you know you break the board when you kick it and he probably is like 6 or something about 7 the teacher's holding the board up. The kid goes and he kicks it and he doesn't hit it. Like he doesn't, it doesn't break. And so he falls back and he starts to tear up. And the teacher's like, hey, do it again. 
and remember your stance and remember your stance. And so he does it again, fails. He does it a couple more times and the kid's crying. He's like bawling. And it's just sad. It's heartbreaking seeing him. He's like, I can't do it. I can't. Like he's like giving up. And the teacher's like, no, you can, you can. And then you hear all of his classmates. You can do it. Like they're chanting him on. They're telling him he can do it. Gets up one last time, kicks it, breaks it. And everybody goes and surrounds him and cheers him on that he did it and that he broke it. So they were my plugs. Like, you know, they didn't let him give up. The teacher was there to support him. All of his classmates, instead of making fun of him or, you know, putting him down, they cheered him on. They pushed him and he did it and he accomplished it. So they're all my plugs. That was pretty awesome. Those are always cool stories. Yeah. So let's hear yours. Well, for mine, I think you won this week on that. No. <laughs> but mine was this shop owner, this diner. Um, he had noticed that there's some people that were going through his trash and stealing uh, his garbage, his thrown out food. And it didn't sit well with him. And so he put a sign on the garbage and a sign on his front door to the people who are getting into my garbage can and eating my garbage food, you know, come in and I'll feed you. Don't, if you're that hungry, I'll feed you. Just come in, you know, discreetly tell me what's going on and I'll feed you. And I don't know if the guy or people who were going through his garbage acted on it, but for someone to just say no one should have to eat garbage out of the food to survive, Food out of the garbage. What did I say? Garbage out of the food. <laughs> I guess both. <laughs> Excuse me for a moment while I get my Coyos beverage. <laughs> I need some mental boost. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah, no, that's awesome for him to um, open his home up too. You know, what's well, his diner? Not home. oh, sorry, his diner to these people and say, "I'll help you." Like. It is a problem. There are people out there eating or suffering and want to eat. So that's a really good one, too. I mean, you can't be upset with any of these plugs. They're doing good things. You know, plugs are always going to be a positive and awesome thing. And, you know, I'm going to end it on this note. The next time it's raining, I will not use my child <laughs> as an umbrella. Good. And next time I'm eating my cheeseburger and you're asleep, I will not be smacking you in the face with it. I will make sure I eat all of it. I mean, what a waste of food. Okay. Anyway, so that concludes our episode. Thanks for sticking week. with us and check us out on Instagram, Facebook at Spouseholes. And our website. Spouseholes.com. Bye.